this morning as we turn in God's Word, I would like for you all to go ahead and to turn to Romans, Romans chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14. I want to do a little bit of housekeeping for us. I need to make a couple of announcements. Um, I, I want us to know and remember that we are going to go as a church and we're going to go apple picking. Not this coming weekend, but the next weekend. I think it's the 19th. Uh, you know, so September 19th, we are going to go uh, you know, apple picking. There's a sign-up sheet that's in the foyer. So please make sure that you sign up for that uh, you know, this week. So please do that. Also, next Sunday at 2 o'clock, we are going to have our Christmas play reveal. So any person that would like to be a part of it, please come and see what, it's in, what it all entails. And that's next Sunday at 2 o'clock. Parents with children, please bring your children. Because they need to be a part of this play, but that's at 2 o'clock, okay? So let's be mindful of that this coming Sunday, next Sunday. All right. So now that we have that, I have given you enough time to turn to Romans chapter 13. And you have your finger there, right? You have your finger at uh, 13 verse 8. Okay, so go ahead and flip over just a couple of books backwards and let's go to the first book of the New Testament and that's going to be the book of Matthew and we're going to look at the 16th chapter of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to be looking there at verses 21 through 28 but I'm not going to read those I'm just going to talk to you about those. Whenever we look into this particular passage of scripture this is what I preached on last week and this is where Jesus begins to talk to the disciples and to tell the disciples clearly, plainly, so that there's no questions whatsoever that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was going to suffer and he was going to suffer many things and die and he was going to suffer these things at the hands of the chief priest the, and, the, uh, and the elders of the church and the religious leaders uh, you know, of the church. And we see that in this particular passage of scripture. And this is where Peter takes Jesus to the side and tells him, no, that never, this is never going to happen to my Lord. And then Jesus rebukes him and tells him, Satan, get behind me. This is that passage of scripture that also tells us that Jesus tells the disciples that he says, you must, or if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. You remember this? We talked about this last week. And whenever we carry our cross, we have to carry our cross and it needs to be visible. As in all of the people that are we around, the, as Jesus paraded through Jerusalem, Everyone there knew that Jesus was carrying the cross and knew why Jesus was carrying the cross. But what I didn't tell you last week is that the cross of Jesus Christ is the only cross that leads to life. 
Now, yes, it is a cross that we must carry, and the burden that we carry as part of carrying that cross is the persecution from the people that will see us carrying that cross. But in this, that cross that we carry all the way to our death is the cross of life through Jesus Christ. As we breathe our last breath here on this earth, we take our first breath in heaven with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But it's not a cross that we carry alone, right? I said last week the only way that we are able to actually giving us the strength and the ability to carry that cross. So we're going to talk more about this cross that we are to carry this week. But there's some things that we get to see in this. And hopefully this is going to encourage you this morning. This morning's message is about God's love for us. In our love for Jesus Christ, but in turn, that love that we have, we give to others. Romans chapter 13. Go ahead and turn back there. Because here in Romans chapter 13, we find that in the first part of this uh, chapter, that Paul sets it out or gives us a detail in how our relationship is supposed to be or what it is supposed to be for believers as in living in this state. The state that Paul is talking about there, about here, would be the Roman government. And if you look back, this is where Paul tells the believers or tells the Jewish nation that they are supposed to pay taxes unto that government, and they're supposed to follow the rule of that government. It's the same thing for us. I want you to see this because whenever Paul goes into this, we can see that Paul literally sets the Mosaic law side by side with the moral law. And we look at both of them. We see the moral law, and then we see the Mosaic law, or the law of God, the Ten Commandments that we have, and we see them side by side. And whenever we see this, we get this understanding that we, as believers, are living in this already but not yet state, therefore the laws of this earth that governs this earth, the moral law, or laws that we need to adhere or that we need to follow. The problem with us as Christians is, is that the leaders of our law and the leaders that we are underneath, their moral code is getting so blurred that right and wrong does not exist. But yet, whenever we look inside, in the moral code and the moral law that God gave us at creation, it's still there, right? You know when you've done something wrong, right? We know that if we steal something, if we take something that's not ours, that's morally wrong. But our society, but wrong's wrong. 
and right is right. Truth is truth and a lie is a lie. And we know that Jesus Christ is truth. So we follow the laws that Jesus Christ gave to us whenever he created us, which would be that moral law that tells you if you shoot someone, it's wrong. Or if you take something that's not yours, it's wrong. If you have an affair with another man's wife, that's wrong. Right? Thank you. But the problem with it is, is that society today has just simply marred them so much that we don't get this. This hurts me to say it, but do you think or do you, do you know that there are people that are trying to say that we discriminate against pedophiles? Whenever we punish them for abusing a child, sexually abusing a child and a pedophile, if we abuse or if we punish them or look bad upon them, we are discriminating against them. How wrong is that? There are doctors out there today that are giving speeches in front of thousands of people that's trying to say that this is a sickness and we shouldn't discriminate against them. That's our government. That's our society that we're living in. I don't want to be political. But I do want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you voted for a president because you liked him other than voting for someone because they're not as bad as the other person? I'm going to vote for this candidate because this one's really bad. This one's not all that good, but this one's really bad. Right? When when was the last time you voted for a president and said, I like this guy? I'm going to vote for him. See, we've missed it. Paul puts them side by side. So let's go in. I'm sorry. Let's, Let's go in and let's read this passage of Scripture. It says, Owe nothing to anyone except your obligation to love one another. I think that's really interesting. Don't owe anybody anything except for your obligation to love them. Now, it's not telling you that you shouldn't borrow money. But it's telling you that if you do borrow money, to make sure that you pay what you borrow. If you owe anything, you owe people love. I see that one just right over your head. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. That's a pretty state blank, you know, blank statement, right? Or, or you know, that statement is really clear, right? If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. 
And then Paul goes in and talks about God's law. Verse 9, for the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Love. So in other words, if I loved my neighbor, I wouldn't take his wife. If I love my neighbor, I wouldn't covet the things that he has or she has. It fulfills God's law. Verse 11. This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for salvation is never is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So move from your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shiny armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. I'm going to pause there for you for a moment. This is still dealing with love and loving our neighbors. We are supposed to live decent lives for all to see. Take off the darkness as if it's dirty clothes. Put on shining armor so that the people around you can see that you're living a decent life. This is speaking a lot. Jesus is, or Paul here, is telling us how we are supposed to live as believers in Jesus Christ. Before that, he tells us that we need to be quick about doing it because the day of salvation is near. I used to say this, and I know that it it frustrated my kids to no end. I, I guess that's why I always said it. So, Peg and I lived in uh, Mooresville or in, in Denver, North Carolina. Mom and Dad lived in Louisiana, 15 hours away. We would load the kids up in the car, load all the luggage up in the car, and we would head down the road. Before we got to Atlanta, are we there yet? No. Y'all have heard it, right? You take your kids on a trip. Are we there yet? Here we go. No, but we're a whole lot closer than we were when we started. 
Are we there yet? No, but we're a whole lot closer than we were when we started. Are we there yet? No, but we're a whole lot closer than we were when we started. That's all I'd tell them. I'd never tell them what time, how long it's going to be. Nope, but we're a whole lot closer than we ever started. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus said that he will return. One day he will come back. I don't know when, but I know that he's closer today than he was yesterday. I know that he's coming back. Scripture says the night's almost over. The day of salvation is nearer now than it's ever been. So get rid of the dirty clothes. Put on the shining armor of God and live a decent life. Live a life that loves your neighbor as yourself. Live your life as you're carrying the cross of Jesus Christ. It goes on from there. It says, do not participate in the, dark, in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness and in sexual promiscuity. I'll let you say that one. And immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whew. Clothe yourself with Him. Put Him on you. So that they don't see you, but they see Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then Paul ends it like this. He says, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself think about those desires. I read in my devotion one day this week that the heart is full of deceit and evil. Man. Don't go to that. Don't go to the desires of the heart. See, whenever Paul talks about this and Paul brings us into this and he, he says that the time is near, he then goes in and to me, he takes me to an area that brings me great encouragement. So I'm going to take you there this morning. In verse 12, the latter part there, he says, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. And put on the shining armor of right living. The shining armor. Where does that take you to? For me, it takes me to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17, about the armor of God. Paul tells us that we need to put on the armor of God. That we need to... 
put on the belt of truth, which is Jesus Christ. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Shod your feet with the shoes of peace, the gospel, the good news. Then it says, take up your shield as it was sharp on the edges. Hand-to-hand combat. But there's another shield, and this shield was at least three feet wide and somewhere around four to five feet in height. And this shield would be picked up and moved forward about three feet at a time because it was so big. You would just simply pick it up, move it three or four feet, and then set it back down. It was tall enough or big enough for the soldier to crouch down behind it and not an arrow would be able to get to him because of the shield that was in front of him. Now there's also something that's unique about these shields that these shields would be able to click together side by side and they would be able to create a wall with these shields. And nothing would be able to get in between those shields except for the soldier's spear that was behind it. And it would create a wall. Now, not only would it create a wall, but then they were able to actually stack these shields and connect them together to where it would make a taller wall and actually even be able to arch over and it would be able to protect the soldiers from any attack from arrows that would be coming from above. As we look at this, we're standing here today as an army of God. We're one heart, we're one body with Jesus Christ, connected together by the shield of faith, so that whenever my neighbor is struggling, My shield can protect him. If my neighbor is wounded, my shield would connect with his in his moment of weakness and protect him or her. Let's go back to the cross. I hope you're following this with me. Because as we're following and as we're living this life and as we're carrying this cross that we can only carry through the strength of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit living within us, then in our moments and times of weakness that our neighbor is right there next to us. Do you not see it? We are a member of the body of Christ. Every single believer in Jesus Christ prior to me living and after my life and right now, we are joined together through Jesus Christ. His blood has been poured out upon us, making us brothers and sisters. And our faith in Him and our shields connecting together has made us one body. So in your weakest moments, your brother or sister next to you is protecting you, or should be. 
if we're looking at this passage of Scripture, and it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. The love of believers joins us together as one. Because I believe in my brother and sister. And I love my brother and sister in Christ. Paul is talking about being unified within the body of Christ. And how the body of Christ is supposed to live in this lost and dying world. But I believe that is where this pandemic is hurting us worse than we would ever imagine. Yes, there's more people that's watching messages on Facebook or streaming live on the internet. And for those of you today, thank you for watching. But you know what? It's nothing like being with a body of Christ. It's nothing like being connected to people and being able to sit with like-minded people and being able to come together and let them know that you're struggling today and allowing their faith to connect with your faith and making your faith stronger than it could ever be alone. We were never meant to walk this walk, to carry our cross alone. It was always designed to be with other people. The body of Christ. We are one. Paul says it this way in in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 5 and 6. It says there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God the Father in all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. He's the one that we cling to. He's the one that holds us together. So, hopefully y'all noticed my new mask today. I had my new mask on today whenever I came up. It's part of the message. That's why I wore it whenever I came up here. Because see, the mask is Darth Vader's mask. But I want you to see this. And I, I get teared up whenever I think about this. You, you can think about, you can think bad about movies and stuff that's out there, but I want you to picture this. In the last movie, you had Ray is here, and she is battling the Lord Sith. And throughout the movie, you can tell that she's been having struggles because she feels she's the only Jedi that's left. And in this battle, you can hear her say, where's all the other Jedi? And then she hears the voices. She hears the voices of Han Solo. She hears the voices of Obi-Wan Kenobi and all of the other Jedi. 
that was before her. And at that time, her strength became so strong that it killed the Lord Sith and all of the other ones that was in that area. Talk about Hebrews chapter 12 with the great cloud of witnesses and every believer that ever came before me and every believer that will be after me and the believers that are with me right now in the moment and time of my struggle, I am standing shield by shield in their faith underneath the pressures of this world and I am saying I am standing for God Almighty. I am carrying this cross all the way to the end and the only way that we can do it is by loving one another and joining together with them because their faith makes us strong in our weakness. Without the believers and without joining together, we will never be able to walk this walk that God has set before us. This morning, join your shield with your neighbors. If you're weak, if your faith is weak today, go to your neighbor and tell them, I need your strength today. If you're struggling, if you're struggling today, connect your shield with someone else. Love your neighbor as yourself. God set it up whenever he set up the first you know, Passover supper. He says, if your house is too small to eat all of the animal that you sacrifice, share it with your neighbor. The faith that God gives to you, <laughs> if your neighbor needs it, share it with your neighbor. If your neighbor needs love, Share it with your neighbor. That's how we live as believers in Christ. That we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We protect them. We help them. Because we love them. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for today, and I thank you for these words that you have given to us. God, I pray today that we would look into this Matthew or Romans 13 and love our neighbors. But God, we take this into Ephesians chapter 6, and we connect our shields together because we love one another. Because we love you and you love us. And because of that love, we love our neighbors. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd ask that you would stand and our praise and worship team is going to close us in this song this morning.
face would shine upon you and that his blessings from heaven will be poured out on you this week in Jesus name. Amen.